This is the Two-Tone Uncensored Podcast. Hosts Matt McCrone, Brian Moreland, and Glenn Lotzenheiser talk everything Tennessee Titans. This show is made for the fans that bleed two-tone blue. Justin Hartwig, and you're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored. This is Two-Tone Uncensored. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Moreland, with me tonight. Probably the happiest man on earth right now, Matt Necrone. How you doing, Matt? I'm not the happiest man on earth, but um, life is good. <laughs> it's got to be like top ten, though, after that game last night. Yeah, and, I mean, I'm probably, probably like eight or ninth, something like that. There you go. And the man that Matt is invested in Glenn Lotzenheiser. How you doing, Glenn? That's a wise investment, sir. <laughs> hey, man, you ain't cheap. I am not cheap, but That's I can be debatable. head. You do this show for next to nothing. I do this show for uh, less than nothing because I pay to be here. I actually pay for Glenn's appearances, so... <laughs> Which means agent. next to nothing. <laughs> but also the highest paid person on the show. There you go. Before we jump into the show, we wanted to talk real quick about a good friend of ours on the the Tennessee Titans uncensored page is putting up a first-round mock draft pool. Uh, There's going to be prizes for the top. There's definitely going to be prizes for the top three. Uh, There might be for the top five. You know, they're working that out right now. And I know it's a long ways away, but we figured we'd, you know, give you some time to warn you. You can submit it. Um, when you get much closer to the draft, obviously. But it's just going to be one point for the correct pick, one point for the correct position, two points for the correct player, uh, three points for the correct Tennessee Titans pick. You can submit all the way up into a half hour before the draft starts. It's going to be pinned to the top uh, of the Tennessee Titans uncensored page. That's on Facebook if you're not already on it. Uh, you know, it's the best Titans site uh, bar none on Facebook, so definitely get on it if you're not already. But that's where you can find it. That's where it's going to be. It's just going to be a first-round mock draft pool. So if that interests you, definitely check it out and get ready for it uh, coming up here in the next couple months when you know the draft stuff really takes off. But we uh, we told him we'd give him a shout out on the show that he's throwing it up there, and and we'll mention it again as we get closer to the draft. Let's jump right into the mailbag here, guys. Alan Harrington asks. Mike Williams or trade back and collect picks if you had to go at number five? For me, to be completely honest with everything that's just happened, um, I'd be happy either way because it's really a win-win situation. But I've seen what Mike Williams can do all year long, not just last night. I know he started out a little rough, uh, but he took a shot to the head early and he kind of took him a little bit to bounce back from that. But some of the grabs he was making, just, just snatching him out of the air on a Another first-round pick, uh, Marlon Humphrey, covering him at the same time. So, yeah, Humphrey's not exactly a shutdown corner in the league yet. But, I mean, Williams, you you cannot go wrong with him. I'd be ecstatic to grab him at five. And at the same time, if uh, Robinson wants to trade back and and gather some picks, I know we definitely want to do that at some point, whether that's at five or 18 or, you know, some other other way. I'm happy with that, too. So, I, I do want Mike Williams, but either way, I'm good. 
For me, it's a question of if he trades back, how far back does he trade and does he get another first-round pick next year? Because the Titans have shown that we're not going to be in the top part of the draft anymore. So this might be our last good shot to take a true difference-maker kind of player like a Reuben Foster or a Mike Williams. You know, that number five pick, we probably won't see that again, and we hope we don't for years unless it's off of a trade. So this may be our last chance, and maybe we do need to go ahead and use this. If he traded back to you know seven or eight so someone could jump up and grab a quarterback or something like that, and then we still have a chance at one of those you know the truly elite players, I'm good with that. I just I wouldn't want him to trade back to 12 or 16 or something like that and just make another average draft pick because there's no reason we shouldn't expect to have picks like that later on. So as long as he uses it really carefully to just move back a little bit, fine. If he's going to make a big jump with it, I'd rather him just use the pick. It's possible we could also trade back a few picks and still get Mike Williams. Exactly. Well, that would be awesome. Best of both worlds there. I was going to say almost the same thing you said, Glenn. I want us to keep in that really elite player range um, with if we trade back. And, and trading back and getting Mike Williams would obviously be the best scenario. Mike Williams, the injury thing still scares me a little bit with him. But there's no prospect that isn't without a red flag or two. You know, there's it's always a gamble. That's what makes the NFL draft so much fun. But, yeah, I, I mean, I'm okay with either. I really put a lot of trust in John Robinson. I think every Titans fan should. I don't see why you wouldn't at this point, what he's done for this uh, franchise. But uh, either way, I'd be okay with it. But I'd like to have Mike Williams on the team. He seems like a, a hell of a football player and, and has all the skills that you want in an elite wide receiver. Yeah, I wouldn't say he's necessarily you know Julio Jones level, but he's in that next conversation. You know, it's not that he couldn't end up being that guy in the pros. It's just from what we've seen so far, he's a really damn good receiver, and would easily be the best receiver on this team day one. And I don't see us having a chance to get that guy again anytime soon. Let's move on to the next one here. Devin Mills sends this one in. How do you guys like the idea of picking up a shifty? Little back, uh, someone like uh, Tariq Cohen in the fifth round or about to replace Antonio Andrews. Uh, maybe I'm just misinformed. I don't know who that is personally, but it's not a bad idea. I do think we should probably address running back at some point in the draft this year. It's a really deep running back class. I know obviously we got Murray and Henry, but at the same time, Somebody that does change the pace up a little bit would definitely be um, something that would benefit us, obviously, moving forward with, with what we're trying to do. It's not exactly something we need right away, but like you said, in the fifth round or so, maybe even sixth round, it's something we should address, and I think that um, a shifty guy would probably probably be a good fit. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if we were going to draft them, you know, even as high as the fifth round, they're going to have to be a kick returner kind of guy. That's who it's going to have to be. If you can find like a Tyreek Hill or something that you can use for that purpose there, that'd be awesome. I'm all for it. I don't like having just Antonio Andrews back there. No disrespect to Antonio Andrews. When he stepped on the field on special teams, he gave it everything he had. He's always been a hard-playing guy, but he's just he's not fast. He doesn't bring you anything extra you know, or special at the position. And an, another hard-hitting guy on special teams isn't worth as much to me as a good kick returner. So if we're going to... Sp- Spend that pick, it's going to have to be on someone who's a good kick returner. Like Matt, I have no idea who this guy is. Uh, it's way too early for me to be trying to evaluate a fifth-round pick. 
Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you guys said here. I mean, I would like to get a guy that's a little bit more lightning. You know, we have two guys up front that are thunder. I'd, I'd like to get a guy that has that burner kind of speed. Um, Cohen, for those who don't know, uh, is the running back at North Carolina A&T, very small school, the Aggies. He's really small, though. He's 5'8", 170 pounds. That's really small. If he wants to come in and he, you know, he's is lightning in a bottle, he's very quick. If he wants to come in and be that kick returner type, but I, I would rather have someone that has a little bit more size on them because at at 5'8", 170 pounds, even if you bulk up, there's not a lot you can get bigger on a 5'8 frame without losing a lot of speed. So even if he's just not big enough, really, in my mind, to, to be able to play the running back position, I'd rather have a guy with a little bit more size that has that kind of speed. I mean, I think Cohen would be a great kick returner and punt returner, um, but obviously you're looking for those guys if you're going to be a third stringer that can do more than one thing. And there's more than enough guys in this draft that can do more than one thing. There's tons of guys that can play corner and kick returns, can play running back and kick return, and or play a wide receiver and, and return kicks for you. So, you know, that, I just don't think that he's a right fit for us. I, I don't think that he is going to have a, an easy time getting in the NFL based off of how little he is. Next one here, Reg Bank sends it in. Could you see us taking Jamal Adams, the safety out of LSU, at the number five position and then grabbing a corner in the next pick? It's unlikely. I mean, it could happen. I know he's probably the most NFL-ready safety in the draft this year. We could use the safety, but I don't think it's that dire of a need. I think if we're going by strictly positional needs, corner is our first position to address but at the same time, if we're going off game-changing playmaker, I, I still think we go Mike Williams. It could happen. He's on the radar, but I don't know enough about him as far as his overall play yet. I'll look at him later on. His combine, you know, what kind of speed he shows will help determine his, where he gets drafted at. But safety, you could you can go that high. Any any guy who rates high enough on. Um, Robinson's board and represents great value. I see him taking. I don't think he's going to lock himself into having to take at Mike Williams or a cornerback or an inside linebacker. He's going to take the most impactful player he can with every pick. Uh, so it could happen. Don't think it's going to happen. He's, I mean, there, there's other safeties that we could get because we have serviceable safeties. Now we just want better safeties. I don't see them spending that first pick on a safety unless they're expecting him to come in and just make the other guys completely irrelevant and get rid of them. Everything I've seen from Adam so far has been um, really amazing. I've gotten to watch a little tape on him, not enough yet, but a little bit. His size, his measurables, it all looks good. Uh, he plays very great. A lot of them are comparing. A lot of people right now are comparing him uh, to Tyron Matthews, saying he's the next Honey Badger. It's not a pressing need for us to say the least right now with all that that we could improve on this team. It's definitely not something that we desperately need. Five is high for a safety. You know, even one of his caliber, that's still real high for a safety. Um, I don't know. I, I would let, rather us get a Mike Williams or get a, an elite corner with that number five pick. The, someone that can come in and just be a huge upgrade over what we have. You know, we have a couple young guys and that safety rotation that I think are going to grow and develop 
Uh, we have nobody at the cornerback position right now that I'm comfortable with. We have one guy at wide receiver that I'm okay with moving forward. So I would rather see us, you know, go to the needs before we we just get a guy because he looks really good. But uh, if John Robinson decides to go that way again, you know, I have full trust in in our general manager to make those decisions. Is there anybody at the cornerback position that you would feel comfortable taking at five? Right now, I mean, it's so hard to say because we're so far out still, but um, right now, uh, I like Quincy Wilson a lot, and I could see us taking him at five later down the road because I think he's going to continue to trend upward. But as of right now, it's just so hard to say that because as of right now, he wouldn't be, by most people's estimation, a uh, a fifth overall pick. I mean, it's really going to matter what happens going down the road, but... Uh, I think there is a few guys, maybe him. Um, Adoree Jackson seems to be dropping on a lot of people's lists as of late. Um, and uh, Desmond King keeps jumping up. That could be a guy. He fits what we're trying to do, even though his measurables aren't that great. I mean, we'll see. But as of right now, I think there isn't a lot. There's a lot of guys I'd be comfortable with at 18, but there's not a lot of guys at 5 that really... I mean, you got to be fucking stellar for me to want to take you at five, you know? No, I agree. Uh, I don't think there's anybody at five, and I, it could change, I guess, but there's going to be plenty there. I mean, you might not be our first option at 18, um, but we may not. We may not even take the fifth pick. We may not even take the 18th pick. I think there's a there's a deep draft when it comes to corner, but I don't see anybody that's really worth a top five pick. Yeah, that, that's one of those trade back. If he trades back towards 12, that's where you start taking those guys. He's right. is a deep position this year. And unless one of these guys comes out there and he's, you know, 6'1 or runs a 4'2, 940, then you draft him because the tape, you know, is there and he's also got insane speed. Otherwise, there's no point in spending that high of a pick on a corner when there's this many corners out there who are serviceable. And if you're trading back from five, then I expect you to be getting a second-round pick than that first-round pick. So then you have a chance to double up on corner later in the draft. Yep. Yeah, that's a great point. Last question in the mailbag this week, Sonny Ali, and he says, do you think the Houston Texans will be the main hurdle for us again next year in the AFC South, or do you can you possibly see the Colts and Jags stepping up and being a force to be reckoned with? I don't think Houston's going to stay on top. They they barely made it this year. Um, it's hard to say. I know obviously the Jags have probably the most talented roster out of those three teams. They don't have uh, Andrew Luck, I guess is where, where I'm going with that. Blake Bortles is, is Ryan's favorite quarterback, but he's not really any kind of impact player in my mind. I think he, he is he's serviceable, and they do have a very talented roster. They got Coughlin um, – Doug Marone as the coach, so I think they'll improve. But I, you know, I would have thought that would happen this year as well without those two guys. But I think the division's ours. I honestly think that the the Colts are probably going to be better than the Texans as well. Yeah, the uh, Jaguars. I think Khan saw what happened with the Titans this year and said, "Okay, let's try that." So he got another ex Buffalo head coach, and he brought in a guy with good talent evaluation skills and has put them in position. Uh, we talked, you know, Ryan and I did on one of the days when it was just the two of us about Coughlin possibly being the head coach in Jacksonville. I like this better because at, at his age, he doesn't necessarily need to be out there 
you know, fighting with guys every day and uh, worrying about coaching the, all the games. He can just sit back and be the quality control guy. Like, no, we need to make a move like this, or this is the player you need here. This is what you need to do. And we'll see what Maroney does. Uh, he, he definitely has that Lawrence history. Maroney. Yeah, Lawrence Maroney. <laughs> Doug, Doug Marone. Marone. Maroney. We'll see what we'll see what Marone does. Uh, he had a good year in Buffalo, and he left because I'm guessing the front office was just a complete clusterfuck, and he wanted no more part of it. Uh, the, the, the consensus was that he saw what was coming, so he just went ahead and resigned his position, even though they wanted to keep him. He's a probably a pretty good coach. We'll find out, you know, fairly quickly. I think that of those teams, he, the Jacksonville Jaguars, have the best chance to step up this next year because they'll have a little bit more inventiveness going on on defense. That bland vanilla defense they ran all year long, you know, it just it doesn't challenge the other team. And so, as good as they were, they weren't creating turnovers. I think you'll see a different defense from them next year. And what, what he can do with Bortles, yeah, we'll find out. I don't see the Texans being there, just like you guys. I don't think they're as good of a team as just our division was that bad when we played all these guys. Um, clearly, the last week of the season, we didn't get their best shot. They held Lamar Miller out. You know, guys were hurt. Watt wasn't in there. But as good as they can be, I don't think that the Texans can get back in front of the Colts next year. I expect the Colts to make some pretty significant moves this offseason and try to fix some things because they're, they're going to end up killing Andrew Luck if they don't. They're, they're going to have to get some blockers for him, and they're going to have to get a better run game. Frank Gore, they, they need someone more dynamic back there to help that offense out. It can't be just T.Y. Hilton and Andrew Luck all day long. So I, I think the Jaguars are probably the biggest competition. The Colts, if they do what they obviously need to do, would be next. The Texans still don't have a quarterback. So until they fix that, I'm not too worried about them. Have the Colts had a decent draft in the last five years? I don't think so. They got the, the, the Andrew Luck one time. I mean, it's well, been yeah, a while. Andrew Luck one time when Peyton Manning was out. You know, that yeah. was it. And that was probably the best pick of that draft, <laughs> you know, beyond I, that. I don't know the guy's name, but he's got to be Rustin's cousin or something because <laughs> – he, I they, just can't believe they keep bringing Pagano and whoever that guy is. I can't remember his name either. Ryan Grigson. Yeah. So those two guys keep getting another shot. I'm like, really? Do something different. It's not well, working. Well, to be fair, their owner is a drug addict, but, I mean. I know. <laughs> but my point is, man, I don't I don't remember that. I mean, they sucked for luck. They took him number one. Even in his class, I, I can't remember one good year where they had a, a decent draft class. Yet they still are employed, so. Yeah, it's the Jeff Fisher thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Maybe they've got something on the owner. <laughs> Which is likely. Because those, those would, guys don't be like hard each with other, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. He, it, there's probably a, a pile of dead hookers somewhere that they've got pictures <laughs> of. Um, yeah, a lot of what you guys said I'm not going to rehash. Um, the one thing that really sticks out to me is Tennessee and Jacksonville set at 3-4. and four. Jacksonville above uh, Tennessee and cal- salary cap space. Uh, you go down to 15 um, is the Colts, so about middle of the road, and 25th for Houston. I think Houston's going to do – they're going to lose more than they're going to gain in this offseason because of how little money they have to work with. I mean, it's like $4 million, $4.7 million. When you look at Tennessee, it's $25.8 million to work with. So I think Houston is taking a step back. I think this is – it wouldn't really surprise me if Houston is the worst team in the division next year, to be honest, because I think you're seeing – a Jacksonville team that really responded, 
when Marone took over in the end of the season. I mean, obviously they they beat us. They played the Colts tough in that last game. They really responded to him. And bringing a guy like Tom Coughlin in uh, to be your football VP of football operations to oversee this whole thing is is a, a really great move. Uh, you know, he's a guy that's proved to be a, a genius when it comes to this game of football. Has two Super Bowl rings to prove it. Was an excellent coach for Jacksonville when he was still down there. I think that team is definitely going to keep trending up. Uh, Portals is not my favorite quarterback as much as uh, Matt wants to believe it, but he is workable. He had a really, really bad season this year, uh, but I don't think that's a reflection of, of his talent. I think he can get better. They have a good offense. They have the players there on offense and defense. It just has to put it together. And as for the Colts, you know, with a guy like Andrew Luck, if you fix that offensive line, he's going to be able to do a lot for you, but... It's only it's fixing the offensive line for me is really is going to make that team really hard to beat. Even though they still will suck on defense, they're going to be, you know, kind of like the Falcons or the Raiders, where they don't have to play defense that much to be able to win football games. But I have no faith in Pagano and no faith in Grigson, and for them two to get it done, they've proved year in and year out. As you know, Matten was just brought up, they've just proved that they cannot build a team that's successful despite having. You know, probably the the best young quarterback in the league. Uh, you, you're getting to the point where Andrew Luck's going to start hitting his prime, and you got to do work. And I think that you have to you have to get rid of Grigson and Bagano before that happens. So for me, I think it's the Jaguars that are going to step up and be the team that finishes in second uh, behind us in AFC South next year. But that's all we have for the mailbag. Um, every week we put the questions on our site. Or, sorry, on our Facebook page at Two Tone Uncensored. I believe it's at Two Tone Podcast, or just search Two Tone Uncensored on Facebook. You'll be able to find it. We also put it in the um, Tennessee Titans Uncensored Facebook group. Um, you can go on there. We put the posts out. You can comment your questions, and we pick the best ones to read out on the show and answer. Let's move into some news here. Obviously, you know, just last night, big news for you, Matt. Clemson defeats Alabama 35-31 to to win a national championship. Uh, great game, fantastic college game. We Guys, we were just talking about this is the best championship game probably since, uh, you know, that like historic instant classic game between the Vince Young-led uh, Longhorns and the Matt Liner and Reggie Bush-led USC Trojans. A fantastic game, and we got to see a lot of guys that could be potential Titans in the future. Yeah, obviously it was a great game. Um, took a long time for us to get back there. Finally got it. Alabama played great. Their defense is disgusting. I mean, they got when we look at their roster that they had that they played last night in about five years and see how many uh, first round picks that were on the field last night. They they played great and uh, hats off to to both teams. But thank God Clemson pulled it off. Um, one guy that really really stood out to me was uh, Ruben. Foster, he killed it. Glenn pointed out to me earlier that he does have a little trouble covering, but at the same time, for what he brings on the field, his intensity and his tackling skills, he can succeed pretty much anywhere. But yeah, I mean, Mike Williams had a rough start. I know they they came out the gate, they hit him hard. They had a, a questionable hit late to the head. Um, it took him a little while to shake that off, but I think eventually, when it was all said and done, proved his worth in my mind. Yeah, what you saw was the Clemson players doing it against what's going to be an NFL defense at some point. 
most of those guys are going to get drafted at some point. And Clemson came back and persevered against just, you know, Alabama coming out and just punching them in the face right off the bat. And, you know, getting up big to the point where I figured the game was probably over. Uh, they impressed me by fighting back into it. And, you know, guys like Mike Williams, uh, Leggett, uh, I haven't been nearly as high on him as Matt, obviously. Leggett, he played pretty damn well for a guy that uh, uh, I thought was fairly inconsistent. Uh, he, he has that big moment, but he has a lot of other plays I'm just not real impressed with. But he played really well against an NFL linebacking core. We're going to see what you know happens in the draft, obviously. But this was a you know a huge win for the uh, the Clemson players. Can't possibly hurt their draft stock any. Uh, I'm curious to see who all ends up coming out because you, you come out on a high. So this is when you want to go ahead and go to the NFL. So I'm curious to see how many of uh, Matt's juniors and senior, well, seniors obviously, but how many of Matt's juniors declare early. There was a lot of talent on the field last night, guys. There's no question. Uh, it was a fantastic game, you know, a, a hell of a game for Clemson to come back and beat a team like Alabama who all season long, you know, all anybody's been talking about is how Alabama's unbeatable, uh, you know, and, and Clemson proved that. Uh, to be wrong, especially with the ups and downs that they've had this year. They really overcame it, overcame the ups and downs of this game and and came back to win. It was a fantastic game. Uh, All the guys that you guys talked about already uh, stood out, but one guy that Matt's been touting for a while uh, I really didn't know a whole lot about and I got a really good glimpse of and did himself a lot of favors going in the draft is uh, ben Bolware, the linebacker out of Clemson, that kid was everywhere he was supposed to be on every play, it seemed like. And, you know, even when Clemson was really, they got off to that really slow start, and it didn't seem like anybody was doing their job. He was the one guy that stood out to me that I was like, man, he's the only one on Clemson right now I'm, I'm impressed with. Um, obviously, that changed as the game wore on, but he continued to impress from start to finish. He played an outstanding game. And just great instincts is what I saw from him. And uh, but though every both guy or both teams here, you know, several first rounders, you know, dozens of players that are going to go in the draft this year. A really great performance by two fantastic teams, and you know, can't talk enough about it. It was a really great game and a great showing for a lot of these guys, and got to see a lot of guys that you know could be wearing two tone blue very soon. Let me just say this: I think with Bulaware, he definitely helped his stock, but. I'm really unsure on how him and even Deshaun Watson, I'm really unsure how both of those guys are going to step into the league. Like, I really don't think the transition is going to go real smooth for Deshaun. And and Buller were the same way. I mean, I really don't know. I don't know how much that really helped his draft stock because I didn't see him pass maybe like a, a third or fourth round pick. And, and honestly, I think he might have he jumped up a little bit, but I, I'm not so sure that he's going to be that kind of guy in the NFL. As far as Deshaun Watson goes – as great as he is, I don't see him taking any team, whether it's Cleveland or whoever it may be, and putting them on his back and being able to succeed. He's just not hes not ready for that yet. And that may just be a yet. But Bullware, I really like his intensity. He's a leader. He doesn't have the athletic measurables from what we saw. It may be different when he gets to the combine. Maybe he does blow it up there and you know moves up into the second round. Uh, but I agree with Matt. He's a third, fourth round kind of guy. He's not a bad guy to pick up, but I, I don't know that he just isn't put him on the field and make a difference linebacker. Uh, I, I love the intensity. I love the pregame speech. I didn't so much care for the blonde pubes on his head. That didn't really work for me. <laughs> <laughs> what did you but think yeah. of the? What did you think of the postgame speech? Did you hear that? I honestly didn't see it. It was awesome. You should check it out. 
I, I will definitely do so. But uh, I, I, I like the guy. He's got the attitude. He, he kind of reminds me of, you know, just the, the, the hardworking Van and Bosch kind of guys of the world who aren't the most physically gifted but just never give up. And so that will get him drafted. That will get him a shot. And as long as he can do that in the NFL and always give you his best, maybe he's the Carl Klug of some other team's linebacking core. Yeah, I think he's going to be um, a later round guy. Uh, but that intensity, that instinct, you know, if you have great instincts as a linebacker, you can do a lot with it even if you don't have the measurables, uh, and you match that with that intensity. It's a guy that I'm going to keep my eye on throughout this whole process, and for whatever it's worth right now, NFLDraftScout.com has him listed as the 12th inside linebacker coming into this class, so, you know, that shows you about where he's going to go, but... A later round pickup, maybe an insurance kind of guy getting an extra inside linebacker. I wouldn't be mad if we got him. Uh, I like that guys, obviously, that have that Carl Klug mentality. He uh, he was spotted last night licking the trophy, so for whatever that's worth. I fit right in with Ben Jones. And I was about yeah, to he... say, there you go. Him and Ben Jones would be besties. <laughs> I mean, he, he could definitely surprise, especially if you can get him a little bit later. He's a little out there, but he's definitely a great player. I don't mind out there. Out there is fine. Add, add some color to the locker room. You you, you got to have a crazy dude here and there, you know. But at the same time, you you need to actually be able to physically do it on the field. So uh, he, he's a guy that we'll all be looking forward to uh, seeing uh, when he goes through the draft combine work. Uh, is he a, is he a senior or a junior? I can't remember. Senior, I believe. So I it, he'll probably be in the senior game. If he is, we'll all definitely be looking yeah, at him out he's there a too. Senior. So. Okay, yes. yeah, so he's almost certainly going to be there. You know, and being a redshirt senior, he should know what he's doing by now. He's been in college for five years. <laughs> all right, guys, uh, we'll move on to the next piece here. John Robinson has been promoted to the VP of Football Operations. He's still going to retain the general manager duties, uh, just adding a little bit more to what he is doing. Uh, a position, in my opinion, uh, that he earned and uh, adds a little bit to to what's expected of him. But really, it's a lot of just means he's in charge of an office that's in charge of a lot of shit. I doubt you see him do a lot of that hands on. But uh, I'm you know happy to see this happen. I think it's well deserved. I think it ultimately means that Steve Underwood gets to go back to his his ranch and grow out his mustache. <laughs> that's a pretty good uh, estimation of it. You know, he probably got a nice raise. And he released Steve Underwood of the trouble of trying to pretend like he cares about football. I'll tell you what, man. When it was when it was that bad, and we had to bring him back. Obviously, he looks like a goof with that damn mustache, but he was our savior there for a minute. And I, I appreciate everything he's done, and he's been with the organization for a long time. And I'm glad he came back to basically bridge the gap of where we were and where we are now. Yeah, and if he was in any way responsible for Robinson being here, then he deserved every penny he ever got. Yeah. That mustache, though. I'm good with a mustache. That's fine. I don't even know what you call that thing. It's like... Broomstick? Or <laughs> just a broom just hanging off the front of your just face? It looks like a 1970s vagina right under his nose. <laughs> it looks like something from a cartoon, man. <laughs> All right, but let's move on to the next thing. We just talked about the promotion. Let's talk about the firings here. Tennessee Titans have fired uh, wide receiver coaches Tucker and Bratkowski. After this season, me and Glenn, you, we talked about this a little bit, how you know they they worked with a really untalented wide receiver in core and, and made you know some great things come out of it. 
And this one, to me and you at least, didn't make sense, but we both had the same opinion. If we can improve, then and then it's all worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I don't get the firing unless there was some task they were given. Like, this year you have to teach this guy how to catch the ball, or you have to make Harry Douglas grow two inches. I don't know what they wanted <laughs> from those guys with what they were working with. So, you know, okay, we, we fired them. That's fine. I suggested to the Matt that the solution is obviously that we're going to draft Mike Williams and hire his offensive, his position coach, who is also the coordinator at Clemson, to come onto the team. And then Mike Williams will come here with his receiver coach. And all of a sudden we'll have a bunch of Mike Williams running around in the field. And that would have solved all the problems with the Tyrone Calicos of the past. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Jeff Scott, I think he'd probably accept the position. And I'm, I'm sure Mike Williams wouldn't mind. But you look at the receivers that they've produced – I mean, it's it's pretty impressive when you look at the last four or five years of who, who we've had on that team. But obviously that's not going to happen. Glenn's obviously making a joke of it. But um, the, the guys that got fired, you know, I don't know about them. I never really paid any attention to them. Bradkowski. Sure. Yeah, anyway, he uh, <laughs> he I know he used to be the Jags uh, receivers coach before we brought him in, and I'm pretty sure he was a couple other places as well. Uh, but honestly, man, I, I kind of want to – take some of the staff and go younger with them just because we kind of did have like the, uh, the senior, I don't even know how to say it, but basically all of our coaches are, are, are older and I do want to go younger and especially at a position at like wide receiver when we do need to bring up young guys. I think it could be more relatable to bring in a younger coach. So Matt basically has a problem with the geriatric crowd. That's fucked up. But more yeah. importantly, Matt, you think I'm joking, but I'm not. I would actually go ahead and bring that dude on in. Well, I mean, you know John. Give John a call and make it happen. All right. I'll, I'll get on the phone right now. We all said the same thing basically on this. It, it really didn't make sense to me. But, uh, you know, if we can get someone, bring someone in that's going to do a better job, you know, that has a better pedigree, it'd be awesome. You know, it's, I know Andre Johnson's out there, just retired. We could bring him in. I know the guy knows how to play the position. <laughs> that would be nice to have a guy like that have a – you know, a Hall of Fame kind of talent in there coaching. But, you know, we'll see what oh. happens. And I'm sure that John Robinson and Mike Malarkey are going to make the right choice and pick a guy that really is going to fit what we do and really help uh, what should be, you know, some young wide receivers coming in soon and, and help us grow at that position. Fuck Andre Johnson. <laughs> Maybe they bring Andre Johnson in. Fuck that. Next piece of news that we have here, Marcus Mariota named the top Polynesian Pro Football Player of the Year. It's an award that they've uh, just started last season, uh, so he's the second ever winner of this. Uh, doesn't mean a whole lot, but it is pretty cool. Marcus um, said, uh, after they asked him about the interview about him winning this, he said he was you know, very proud and, and very happy to, to accept this award and uh, and very proud to represent, you know, Polynesian football players. And so pretty cool to see our quarterback winning awards like this. I, I didn't know it was an award, and I don't know if there's enough guys that he doesn't win it again on a pretty regular basis. <laughs> He's going to win for the next 10 years. <laughs> I'm hoping so. Um, next thing here, speaking of awards, pretty this one, uh, a lot bigger of a award. Jack Conklin named first team all pro in his rookie year. He was one of three rookies named Hell to yeah. the first team. Uh, you know, that's saying a whole lot and he had a, a fantastic season. Just can't talk enough about it. And again, me and Glenn apologize for being wrong about Conklin. <laughs> I don't apologize anymore. Hey, um, whatever, man, as 
a Pro Bowl snub to make all pro is just like fucking it's better than icing on the cake. I don't know what it is, but that just proves that the Pro Bowl voting's bullshit. But I'm <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad he finally got his recognition because he deserves it. Absolutely. Yeah, the fan vote is a joke, but that's a discussion for another time. Um, last piece of news that we have here before we go into the break. The Titans are one of eight teams that could possibly be on HBO's Hard Knocks show this upcoming season. For those of you who don't know, the, the rules to be one of these teams selected is you you, ha- you couldn't have been on the show in the last ten years. Uh, you had to have not made the playoffs for two consecutive seasons, and you can't have a new head coach. So we are one of the eight teams that fit in those parameters. It's down between us, the Ravens, Browns, Colts, Eagles, Saints, Buccaneers, and Bears. Likelihood that we get it, not very high. But if we did get it, it would be pretty cool to watch through the offseason. What do you guys think about that? I've actually thought about this for a while. Uh, I know a lot of people don't like it, don't like having their team on there. For whatever reason, you give up strategy or whatever, you know, whatever. I would love it personally, and I honestly think that I didn't know about the uh, the head coach rule, but I think that um, we actually would be a really good fit for what we have going on. You know, generally, I don't like the idea because it is a distraction. You know, most of the coaches have said they didn't enjoy doing it, and players have talked about it. I don't know that we got enough knuckleheads in our team to make it interesting for them. Um, you, usually, you've got to have you know someone do something stupid like you know roll a golf cart or something like that. And I don't know that we got enough guys who will do that. You know, it's the most interesting thing is, you know, Ben Jones, you know, Dude. walking around barefoot, whatever. We have Taylor Lewan. What are you talking about? He's not a knucklehead. What? He's a, on the field he is, but not off the field. Have you ever – do you know who Taylor Lewan is? No, I've never <laughs> heard of him. It's Taylor Lewin. Lewin? Taylor Lewin. You're like, ah, oh, Lewin. Yeah, yeah. He yeah, is that guy. Yeah. No, I, he says some crazy shit, but – He's not rolling dude. golf carts and stuff like that. Dude, he's funny as hell, I guarantee. Oh, dude. no question he's funny. We got some good personality. I'm just saying they usually like to have that one guy who's just a fuck-up running around. We have a quiet I mean, we quarterback could... with a quiet running back with a quiet running back as his backup. I mean, we do – like, we have don't... a few knuckleheads, but we don't have a lot of guys out there. Plus, the thing I think is going to be for me is it's not a big market. You know, almost every team on here has a bigger market than we do. Uh, so I think that's going to dictate a lot of, like, who will actually watch it. Is it going to be, you know, a show that's watched by a lot of people? I think a lot – I've seen a lot of people talk about the Browns just because of how much of a dumpster fire it is. <laughs> that it would be interesting. Um, I don't care. If we get it, it would be cool. If we don't get it, I'd be fine with it. Well, as well as we played at the, the end of this year, I think that people would tune in to see it. And it would be good for us because I would like to see more of that insight since, you know, none of us are in Nashville – we're not going to run into these guys and get a chance to interact with them. I would enjoy it, you know, on a personal level from what the coaches have said in the past. They don't really like it. But, you know, if, say, Hard Knocks comes in, previews us, and then we go out and not only are we in the playoffs, but we're making a strong playoff push, or, you know, trying for a Super Bowl or something like that, it would be nice for a lot of people to go, I know who the fuck these guys are. Our bandwagon would get pretty big. Speak for yourself, Glenn. My buddy knows Taylor Lewan. That's fine. <laughs> I know a guy. <laughs> I know a guy. I know a guy. <laughs> no, I don't know. I just think that with the, with the recent, like, John Robinson coming in, um, I know now it's kind of dead, but the fact that we may or may not sell the team, like, there was a lot of shit going on last year that, that would have actually fit perfectly with what what we had doing. We, we, we didn't really know what kind of 
personality. At least I didn't know what kind of personality Derrick Henry was going to be. Um, there's just a lot of shit going on. I mean, I don't. Maybe it's because we're we're turning a new page on on the franchise. But I mean, as far as like Hard Knocks has not had a a interesting team in my opinion for the last however many years. The Jets, the Rams, the Texans, they all suck. I mean, why not us? Yeah, they're generally dumpster fires. And, you know, Arakpo, Walker, those guys would be a lot of fun to have on there. So, you know, we would enjoy it. The one thing that about those teams, though, is big market, big market, big market. Oh, yeah, no question. That's that's the thing I think that's going to keep us from doing it. And that keeps us from a lot, you know, but eh, it's whatever. I'm used to it by now. But that's all we have for the first half of the show. We're going to head into the commercial break here. When we come back, we have some end-of-the-season awards that we're going to give out for our Tennessee Titans players, and then we're going to cover the divisional round of the NFL playoffs and do our predictions. So we'll be right back after this quick break. Time to pay the bills. Some quick ads and we'll get right back to the show. Hey Titans fans, you've probably heard us talk about the group page several times on this show, and I'm sure you're wondering what we're talking about. Tennessee Titans Uncensored is a Facebook group page that was built by Titans fans for Titans fans and was founded by our very own Matt Necrone. If you're a Titans fan that's looking to talk about the latest Titan news, then this is where you need to be. And you can help me shit talk to crackheads. Because nobody likes crackheads. That is Tennessee Titans Uncensored on Facebook. Tighten up. Hey, this is Ryan and Rich from the Free Parking Show. Our show is a sports podcast hosted by four sports journalists and features shows like Beers and Cheers, Par for Discourse, and our NFL preview, the 32-team parking garage. Check us out on Stitcher, Spreaker, and our website, www.freeparking.com. Hey guys, you've heard us talk about Hang 10 Apparel before on the show, and if you haven't checked them out, then you're truly missing out. Hang 10 is the one place to find unique Titans gear that you will not find anywhere else. Whether it's a Maragoda hoodie, a Mahalo Etch a Boy t-shirt, or Mike Keith's Music City Miracle Call on a sweater. There are no flags on the field! It's a miracle! The only place to find it is Hang 10. Just go to hangtn.com to find all this great gear. And while you're there, don't forget to use our promo code 2TONE to get 10% off any purchase. That's hangtn.com, the official Titan shop of 2TONE Uncensored. Tighten up. Hey, Titans fans. Do you ever find yourself wondering what the hell's going on with Rubisky's play calling while you're watching the game? Do you wonder why a rack coach didn't get six sacks Have you ever wondered why our defense can shut down a star wide receiver but constantly gets burned down the middle by a backup tight end? If this sounds like you, then you need to know your enemy. Each week, Glenn Lostneiser from the Two-Tone Uncensored podcast hosts a write-up about this week's upcoming game. 
Glenn tells you which players have the favorable matchups each week and what schemes the Titans need to use in order to succeed. It comes out Wednesday-ish each week, sometimes Thursday morning. It's on our twotoneuncensored.podbean.com page and links from the Two Tone Uncensored Facebook page as soon as it posts. It's a real quick read and even has pictures for the kids. For the kids! You're listening to Two Tone Uncensored, brought to you by Podbean. Hey, this is Bo Scaife. You're listening to Two Tone Uncensored. Tighten up. All right, we're back from the commercial break. Let's jump into the awards here, guys. We're going to give out awards for Titans players. Uh, and this is just everybody on the Titans. Just to kind of wrap up this season, I thought this would be a fun idea. So the first award going out here is Coach of the Year. We're going to say it can't be Mike Malarkey. It has to be a coordinator or lower who do you think deserves the coach of the year on this team? I'm uh, going to say uh, Terry Robisky because he made Marcus Mariota the uh, Polynesian player of the year. Obviously, that's a huge award. You know, how could you say anything other than just, you know, Robisky? It's, it's clearly he's the guy who got the guy the award. I'm impressed. Said it without cracking up. Good for you. Um, <laughs> obviously, Bobby April. Yeah, uh, Bobby April is clearly the <laughs> award. That, that, was my, that was my number two. The only answer that I would even consider saying is obviously Russ Grimm. O-line was awful. Now it's one of the best. And I can't even remember who the tight ends coach or the linebackers coach that Chance Warmack had the problem with, whoever we had before Russ Grimm. But obviously it made a huge difference. So my answer is Russ Grimm. I'm going with Russ Grimm as well. You know, we went from one of the worst um, lines in the league to one of the best under him. And that's obviously... You know, anytime you can do that with any unit, it's saying a lot about a coach and a lot about, uh, and I know obviously he had a lot of help. You bring in a really good running back that obviously helps things when the defense has to respect the running game, but there was also a lot of uh, coaching that went into it. We saw a giant leap made by Taylor Lewan. We saw a rookie make uh, first team all pro, so hats off to him. Next one here is going to be offensive rookie of the year. Uh, Jack Coughlin, is there any question? There's really not any question. If we're just trying to say somebody else for argument's sake, I guess second in line would be Tajay Sharp. And then maybe Derrick Henry. Um, <laughs> I think it's a really I would put Henry above from. Tajay. Tajay had a few good games at the beginning, but kind of faded quick after that. No, I mean, he, he declined throughout the year, but for what he was, where we got him, and, and where he started out, I mean, you can't just have a, a lights-out seat. Well, I guess you could. I shouldn't say that, but... You know, he started out really strong, and he definitely did decline. But at the same time, I mean, for what we invested in him, he's I think he's going to be solid. And I'm I'm definitely putting him above Derrick Henry at this point. You know, my thing is, is Jack Conklin, to me, is the rookie, of the, rookie offensive player of the year or offensive rookie of the year, whatever it is, of everybody. Because for Zeke in Dallas, look at the line he's playing behind. He, he fell into the absolutely most perfect situation. And he's had a phenomenal rookie year, but he's playing behind the best offensive line you could ask for on a team that's built you know, for him. Dak Prescott's in that conversation, obviously, but he's playing with Zeke behind that offensive line. Those two guys couldn't have asked for a better situation, and it's awesome for him. But Jack Conklin has been going toe-to-toe with some of the best pass rushers in the league all year long, 
as just a rookie right tackle and has been stonewalling them. I'm more impressed with him not getting Mariota killed than I am with Zeke and Prescott, you know, tearing things up in Dallas. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that, you know, I think Zeke or Dak is obviously going to win just because they never give awards like that to offensive linemen. It's just not a sexy position. You know, there aren't the stats there to back it up. But I, I think that Jack Conklin had the most impressive rookie season, for me at least, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But he's obviously the offensive rookie of this team. This one a little bit harder, though. Defensive rookie of the year for the Tennessee Titans. Who do you guys have here? It's not hard at all. In my opinion, it's Kevin Byard. Hands yeah. Down. I mean, n- nobody else saw enough play time to take that you know title from him. It sure as hell wasn't Dodd. Right. Who would you argue, Ryan? Uh, I mean, Bayard was my pick, but I think that you could make an argument for Sims. Up to the Jaguars game, there was like a three or four game stretch where he was the highest rated player on the team, according to Pro Football Focus, or one of the highest rated players on the team. I think that's really, I mean, Austin played a handful of games and he was good, but he wasn't, didn't do anything really electrifying and... Dodd had one good game, and then the rest of the season was either injured or, you know, asleep. So, I mean, Bayard, I think, is the easiest pick out of here, but I don't think it's straight and away like the offensive rookie of the year was. He, he had more snaps than all the other rookies on defense combined, I think. Uh, snap, <laughs> snaps aside, I, I think it's really the opposite of, of what you're what you're arguing. I really think yeah. it is. It is Kevin Bayard with no questions asked. Like, I think next year he's going to be even better. I think he's a great value at the third round pick. I think that all, all of us pretty much didn't know who he was unless you were a Middle Tennessee State fan. But he's he's panned out tremendously, and I really think he's going to grow and, and be even better than he's already been. Yeah, he, he may not have the highest end, you know, like his final rating number of these guys, but easily this year he had the most opportunity and did the most with his opportunity of anybody. And the thing is, when we drafted him, he was more of a ball hawk guy, can't really tackle. That's not at all who he is. I mean, he's been more of a tackler than he has been a ball hawk. So, I mean, if he can put it all together, he's going to be great. Yeah, and the thing is, is he was a better tackler up until the year he came out. And that year, they tried to change the way he tackled people. Because we covered this whenever we were talking about him after the draft. He had changed his tackling technique to try to be more of a sure tackler. And it just it wasn't a natural thing for him. So he had a bad tackling year. And he's gone back to being a pretty good tackler. Yeah, I, I would even go as far as to say that he's my favorite player in the secondary. Over Blake? Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bleedy Ray, all of them. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not much of a popularity contest there. There's a whole bunch of guys <laughs> yeah, right. that we don't ever want to see play again. So, eh. <laughs> I mean, Cordy would probably be the only guy that anybody would have a real argument with. I see, I like Damian Stafford. I do. I, I like the play. I like the way he plays against the run. I like how physical he is. But he can get lost in blocks. Uh, sometimes he doesn't make the play that he should. I mean, there's a lot of arguments we can make against him. I like how physical he is, so I like him to some extent. But outside of him, and even McCourty, at the end of the year, and you know that contract, he's starting to become less and less likable. Well, it's it's not a personal thing against him. We signed right. the contract. Right, no, right. It's just age is catching up with the man. You know, he, he's... Yeah historically of the group that we have the best player but going forward it's going to be Bayard you know Stafford I love I love his attitude the bad angles he takes on plays it it drives me insane Uh, he makes some really awesome plays but if he doesn't make an awesome play he whiffs he's not that high up for me it just there's nobody else so it has to be Bayard 
All right, next one here, guys. Comeback player of the year. Who would you have as your comeback player? I'm going to say uh, Mariani because he came back to us. The rest of those guys, you could probably say Derek Morgan, the way his year ended last year, come back and play the whole season without any significant injury. He would definitely be in that conversation. I'm in the same boat. Literally, I just decided because <laughs> I, I really don't know. But if you want to talk about somebody that's come back from injury, not necessarily last year, but in general, I go Brian Arakpo. I think he's the the biggest force in our linebacking core. I think, you know, obviously he's a pro bowler this year. He's been great for us. And I'll go ahead and say Arakpo. Arakpo was my pick for this as well. It's a guy that we've seen him have great years before but he hasn't been able to be on the field a lot because of his injuries I think that every time he's on the field he plays fantastic I think his stats show that it's just you know it's not all the time that you see him play full 16 and and he had a great year this year pro bowler and he really deserved it so that would be my comeback player and I didn't give you this next award guys but it's the exact opposite of the comeback player who dove off of the cliff this year who was good and fell off the cliff this year Chance Warmack. <laughs> and he wasn't that good. <laughs> yeah. Kendall Wright, I guess, is my answer. Yeah, Kendall Wright was mine as well. Yeah, you can make a really great argument for Warmack, though, for sure. It's definitely a harder question just because it's one that you don't normally see, but I thought I'd throw it in there uh, just for shits and grins. The next one, we're going to head into Defensive Player of the Year. If you had to give it to somebody, who would it be? Brian Arakpo. Just to say another name, because they're neck and neck, in my opinion, I'll say Casey. Yeah. I thought that Casey's right there, but I went with Brian Arakpo. That really came back strong this season and, and had an outstanding season. But Jarrell Casey's right there. The thing is, is those two guys feed off each other so much, it's hard to separate one from the other. Because, you know, if you're an offensive tackle, and you look up and you've got Jarrell Casey in front of you, and then Brian Arakpo standing over to his side, you're like, motherfuck me. You know, what decision do you make at that? <laughs> you know, so bo- both of those guys, you know, th- that side of our defense is fine. Now we got to do something about the other defensive end and get some guys to play in the secondary. All right, just the opposite here. Let's go offensive player of the year. Who do you have? Easy. DeMarco Murray. Yeah. Um, it, for all the you know contributions that you got from Marcus, who played really well for a, a good stretch there and, Delaney Walker, you know, showing up and playing great again. It's DeMarco Murray. He changed the whole team. Best acquisition probably ever. Because yeah. we traded him for, you know, 12 positions in the fourth round. And he not only led the AFC in yards, he completely changed the way the Titans play football. Even with Derrick Henry, we would not have been that team. DeMarco Murray came in with leadership. He demanded better of his offensive line. He catches the ball out of the backfield. He does everything every play that he can in order to win. He he just he taught this team how to win this year. It has to be DeMarco Murray. Yeah, not much to add to that. He's done everything we've asked and more. I mean, he he's held his own meetings with the O-line. And I mean, between him and Russ Grimm, that's <laughs> that's I mean, we that was the biggest turnaround by far because our our O-line was just as bad as our secondary was and one got way better and one didn't. So I mean, I credit I credit DeMarco Murray for a lot of that. I went away from DeMarco here only because I ha- we have an MVP coming up, and I didn't want to give it to the same person. And I know that it is DeMarco Murray, but for me, just to give a little shout-out, Rashard Matthews, 
Uh, he had there a really good go. season this year. You know, a guy came in, was the number one wide receiver on the team. You know, even doubled his figures from last year in Miami. So it was his best season by far of his young career. Like I said, it's Murray, obviously, but I wanted to give the MVP to someone different than Offensive Player of the Year, and that's why I went with, with Matthews. And, and I wanted to give him some credit, too, for the season that he had. So that leads us yeah. into MVP, and everybody already knows mine here was Murray. Who do you guys have as MVP this season? Russ Graham. <laughs> <laughs> it's obviously Mike, DeMarco Murray. <laughs> Mike, Mike Malarkey. Mike Malarkey, there you go. Cody Riggs. I'll say this, though, with, with uh, Rashard Matthews. He's probably... I mean, yeah, I just gave Rakpo all that credit for comeback player, but I think I'll change my answer to Matthews because, honestly, he's he actually was injured last year. We got him as kind of like a, a risk-reward type player, and he's easily panned out as our best receiver. So I wasn't even thinking about him. I don't think of him as a comeback player, but if you really look at it for what it is, I guess he does fit the bill. So I actually changed my answer. But yeah, the reason I didn't put him as comeback player is because he wasn't with the team. So it wasn't really like... We were watching him, at least most fans weren't watching him struggle and then come back. But for a lot of fans, especially the more casual fans, he's brand new this year. That's the only reason I didn't choose him. I got I got one for you guys. All right. Worst hair worst hairdo on the team. Oh, after that game last night, it's now Derek <laughs> Henry. Uh, Derek Henry. <laughs> that that I'm, fucking Johnny Bravo has gotta go. <laughs> that that was a terrible, terrible haircut. How about this was worst mustache this year? Botzenheiser, hands down. Yeah, I think I got that one, man. <laughs> it, it was Matt Castle that I took up the challenge. No way. I Matt Castle's best mustache of the year, hands down. That thing was – it's criminal that he cut that. That was the best thing he did all season. <laughs> no, as the face of the Tennessee Titans, I'm telling you that it was me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Someone posted that when I, sh- I put that picture up there. Yeah. This should be the face of the Tennessee Titans. And I'm like, yes, it should. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah, Bring but you agree with games. that. <laughs> all right, that's all we have for the awards. Let's head into this divisional round of the playoffs, guys. We had a pretty bad first round. Me and Glenn picked the games. Matt was absent last week, so me and Glenn picked all the home teams, and you know we batted a thousand for that last week. So let's see how we do this week. First game: Seattle at Atlanta. Atlanta favored by four and a half. Who do you think is going to win this game? Man, one of my best friends in the world is a uh, a Falcons fan. You know, I'm, I'm sorry, but he is. And it, it drives me nuts having to listen to him be so happy right now about his Atlanta Falcons because they're going to lose. Whoa. Uh, you know, my, my thing is, is the the Falcons defense has gotten better. They, they have a possible defensive rookie of the year hanging back there in uh, a Neal. He is really turned into a great safety. He's a guy that I kind of wanted last year. You know, I was looking at him last year going, that's a guy we should consider drafting if we if he falls down to us. Uh, he's turned into a really good safety. They, they've got some really good players. That defense, I don't know that they can stop Russell Wilson from doing what he does. And the Seahawks showed that they can run the ball again this last weekend. And as good as Matt Ryan is, and Matt Ryan should probably be the MVP of the league because he's been doing it since day one. Their offense is going to be able to put up points on the Seahawks. I just think Seattle wins this game. It, it may be by a point, but I, I think Seattle wins this one. First off, let me just say, I thought we were best friends. That's fucked up. I said one up. All right, well. Uh, oh, I thought uh, he was talking about you. I he's think, in the group. <laughs> I think you're still caught on Atlanta Falcons of old. I think their defense has made enough strides to where not only will they win, 
they'll cover this week. Vic Beasley's having a crazy year. I think he's got like 15 and a half, 16 sacks on the season. Keanu Neal's obviously stepped up huge. That offense is potent, and I don't think that with Earl Thomas is out, obviously now, and I think the first time they played, they did play earlier in the year. I can't remember. I think Seahawks might have won that matchup. That's one of the funny things. All of these games are repeat games, okay. uh, and I don't remember who won. If, if I could have my wish, I absolutely wish for Pete Carroll to lose in the most embarrassing way possible as often <laughs> as possible. Okay, yeah. the, the way he lost the Super Bowl was so fantastic. I loved every second of it. If he can just embarrass himself every opportunity, I'll take it. I'm fine with that. I just, you know, like like I said, I, I don't think Falcons have improved enough to overcome their history of failing at these moments. This one's a tough one for me because I don't have a lot of faith in Atlanta because we've seen them. I know that they're having a good year, but we've seen them have these kind of seasons where they're this good and, and then they just flake out in the playoffs. Uh, just for before I throw up my opinion, the last time they did play, Seattle won 26-24. to But I, st- I think I'm still going to have to take Atlanta in this game because right now Seattle doesn't really impress me too much. If you can stop the running game, uh, Russell Wilson right now is not playing at the level that we saw him play last year. I don't think that he's really finding it a hard time finding his receivers regularly. Drop passes have been a problem for them. And his offensive line, I think, has regressed a step. Last week, they got away with just running the ball against a really bad run defense. You know, this uh, Falcons team's not great, but they have stepped up, and they've been one of the best defenses over the last, like, eight weeks or six weeks or something like that, I believe. I think they're going to win with this game. I don't know if they'll cover. I think it's going to be close. But I just don't have a lot of faith in Seattle right now to be able to get it done because if you stop the running game I think you stop Seattle and I think Atlanta's going to be able to do enough to slow down that running game that their offense uh, can do the rest and lead them to victory here as for the next game it's Houston at New England a 16 point spread this is the largest playoff point spread in 18 years I know we're all going to take New England so to make it more interesting does New England cover those 16 points easily Yeah, no question about it. You know, it, we could surprise us, and the Texans' number one in the league defense could show up and make a difference. Yeah. But, man, without J.J. Watt, you know, no matter how much Merciless and Clowney and the rest of them are trying to rush, Tom Brady's on a mission. He's pissed off. I think he is still pissed off, you know, right now as much as he was when that suspension got handed down. I, I believe the Patriots are going to the Super Bowl because Tom Brady is not going to have it any other way. He wants to go to the Super Bowl and then tell Goodell to suck his dick standing up there whenever he's handing him the trophy. <laughs> what point spread in this game would make you say, I, I have to go under, I have to? What's what's like the limit there? Um, the only way I would not take New England, and I'd still not even feel good about it, it would have to be 21 and a half. Houston's defense has stepped up, but... New England's offense is way too potent, and I don't think I think New England's defense can score on Houston's offense. So the only way I would take Houston is if it was twenty-one or better. New England's defense has changed a lot in the last few years because they saw that their opponents in their division were building up to be able to run the ball better. They, they saw that the offensive lines were beefing up, and the teams were teams like Buffalo and teams like Miami and teams like the Jets, they were building up their offensive lines. They were getting better running backs. They were doing what the AFC South did this year when we started bringing in the Chris Ivories, the Lamar Millers, the DeMarco Murrays. Lamar Miller turned out to be okay, 
Chris Ivory didn't have much for us this year. But the same thing was going on with New England. And their defense got a lot bigger and a lot better over the last couple of years because they know what the hell they're doing. And so I don't think that the Texans can run the ball on them. So if they have to throw, like Matt said, there's a good chance that there's a pick six coming or there's a fumble that's taken back to the house. This is going to be a bad, bad day for Houston. I'm going to officially name this the Silver Linings Bowl for all Titans fans. <laughs> it's yeah. going to be fun to watch Houston get their ass kicked. Other side of that coin is that could be us, so is what it is. <laughs> I mean, I, I think we would have beat Oakland with Connor Cook. You know, we almost beat Oakland with our car. So, but ultimately, you know, all the, the end of the road is in New England, and we weren't ready for New England, and Houston's not ready for New England. Yeah, no, it, it wouldn't have ended better for us. Probably the score wouldn't be quite as bad, but we still probably weren't going to win that game. All right, next one, guys. And AFC, we have an interesting matchup on Sunday. It is Pittsburgh at Kansas City with the lowest spread in any of these divisional games. Only a one-point favorite in Kansas City. How do you see this game going? I think Pittsburgh wins it. Um, I know they're at Kansas City. I know it's going to be a kind of a rainy, cold day. It's going to suck out there. My thing is, is the only weakness that, on that Pittsburgh Steelers team is their secondary. Their secondary still isn't very good, even after they got rid of Blake. They, they don't have a good pass secondary. But it's not good conditions to pass the ball. The Chiefs, we've seen their quarterback. We've seen their receivers. They're not going to just blow you away. Tyreek Hill is the only guy who scares you out there. I mean, even with Jeremy Macklin back, I don't see the Chiefs being able to move the ball well enough to keep up with the likes of Le'Veon Bell and Brown. And what Roethlisberger will do, you know, do with that team out there. I just, I, I cannot see the Chiefs winning this game, even though it's close and it's at Kansas City. I think the uh, Steelers are the better team. Yeah, I agree with you. I'll, I'll say that it's definitely my closest game out of any of the games. I think that it could go either way. I do give the slight edge to Pittsburgh. I hate Pittsburgh more than probably any team outside our division. Um, but at the same time, I think that their secondary is pretty much you know one of the well maybe not one of the worst but it's it's up there their offense is way too potent and i know kansas city has the the turnover defense but it all really depends to me on on how ben plays i know he's got the injured ankle and um if he's able to go out and at least perform you know fairly decent i think they should their offense is just when clicking they're they're really good as much as i hate to say it you know, I would say that this game comes down to an Andy Reid mistake with clock management. <laughs> it's not exactly reaching there, I know. And it happens almost every other game. But that, that I would say Andy Reid loses this game for the Chiefs. Yeah, I'm taking the Steelers in this one. I, it's, right now their offense is playing lights out. You know, we saw Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell have huge games last week. Um, and I know it was against the weak Dolphins team, but still, they both performed outstanding. I don't see Kansas City's defense being able to stop that. They'll slow it down for a little bit, but I don't think they're going to be able to stop it. And then, on the other side of the ball, their weakness is in that secondary, but that kind of works out for them playing a team like Kansas City, who isn't going to be able to torch you with Alex Smith. And, you know, they try to, to build off of the ground game and move forward. They've been The Steelers have been playing great against the ground game. Now, you know, with Ryan Shazier completely healthy, 
He's a monster in there in the middle, and they've been having a great season. Being able to stop the run and playing up front, they get pressure on the quarterbacks, one thing that they do well. I think it's going to be a long day for Kansas City because I think Pittsburgh's going to take this, and I, I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I don't think it's going to be close either. And the last game that we have on the schedule this week is another good one here. Green Bay at Dallas. Dallas is favored by four in this one. Who do you have? Man, this is one of those games I'm really looking forward to watching. Aaron Rodgers always makes me think that they have a chance to win. At some point in time, you expect the Cowboys, you know, rookies to have a bad game. I don't know that this is it. I don't know that the Packers have enough on defense to stop the Cowboys from doing what they do. But I do know that if the Cowboys don't take a commanding lead early, you know, maybe even if they do, they're going to have to score just about every possession to beat the Packers because Aaron Rodgers is on fire and the Cowboys defense isn't that good. They're not nearly as good as the Giants defense. The Giants made Aaron Rodgers look normal for the first half and then he did what he does. And the Cowboys, I don't know that they can do that for a full half. So if they go into this game and they waste possessions, they don't do a lot of turnovers because they run the ball so much, but if they waste some possessions, they got problems. I'm curious to see what the Packers do about trying to stop Zeke while dealing with the passing game. Because, you know, th- th- there's a guy down there who he gets a lot of crap, but he can play pretty well at uh, receiver. And if you're going to end up going single man on man, he's going to beat you up. We- we- we've all picked on him a lot, you know, for different stupid things. What the fuck is his name? Des Bryant? Des Bryant. I knew it was Des. But uh, if, if you're going to cover Des Bryant man-on-man, there's a good chance that Dak Prescott's going to go ahead and throw him the ball, and he's going to get that ball there. Uh, whether Des catches it or not or you know whatever else happens, uh, it's just it's a matchup problem because you can't stack the box and you know leave Des right there running alone, leave Jason Witten running alone. So the Dallas Cowboys offense works. We've seen it work all year. I'm just curious if it can get enough done to keep the Packers' offense being on the field, it's scoring just about every time. Uh, it very rarely happens the team scores every possession. So the Cowboys have got to you know, not not just outscore, that's the obvious thing, but they, they've got to make every possession count, I think, uh, to come out of this game with a win. Because the last time they met, the Packers were beat up like whenever we played them. And uh, the Cowboys, you know, they, they beat them in their house. I think it's going to be the other way this time. I'm picking the Packers. I also like the Packers. I think the biggest X factor is whether Jordy Nelson plays or not. He, he's not actually ruled out yet, even though last week he was hospitalized with two fractured ribs. So if they can get anything out of him, I, I like to go with the hot hand. I think Aaron Rodgers can do that. I know Dallas has kind of, in recent weeks, been a little complacent uh, with where they've been. I know they've been winning a lot of games early, but I don't think they're built for the playoffs this, this year at least. I think Dak is going to make some mistakes. And then, Pound for pound, Aaron Rodgers may be the best quarterback in the league. So I'm going to go ahead and take the Packers. I'm going to take the Packers in this as well. I think this is going to be a really good game. I'm looking forward to watching it. But right now, Aaron Rodgers is just on fire. I mean, that's the only way to put it. He's just playing phenomenal football right now. Uh, You look at the last three games he's played in, at home against Minnesota, at Detroit, and then at home against the Giants. He has at least 300 yards and four touchdowns and no interceptions in every one of those games. I mean, that's just phenomenal. That's just crazy, throwing 12 touchdown passes in a three-game span. He's 
I mean, he's red hot at the perfect time. You know, last week, 362 yards with those four touchdowns. Dallas's defense isn't that great. They're not that great of a secondary. I think that he's going to be able to, to move the ball around quite a bit and get it down the field. And I just don't think that if you get ahead of Dallas, they just don't have the team to pull back in a game. To, you know, to get back. They're a team that controls the game from start to finish. You're not a team that can make comebacks. So I think that's what does them in in this game. Uh, even though they've had a phenomenal season, I have a lot to look forward to with that young team. I think Green Bay gets the win here. Last week, me and Glenn both told you who our Super Bowl picks were. So, Matt, here's your chance. Who do you think is going to be uh, playing in the Super Bowl this year? I think the best matchup or the most likely matchup is going to be Green Bay and New England. And I give the slight edge to New England. Right on. That's if, For those who didn't listen last week, uh, I said Green Bay and New England would make it there um, with Green Bay I winning. I said Green Bay and New England. No, you did not. <laughs> yes, I did. Glenn said Dallas and New England. <laughs> did uh, I? Yeah, you did. That doesn't sound like something I would say. Oh, I can. Maybe I did, just to be controversial. <laughs> you did. but uh, I was the... drunk. <laughs> but uh, it should be an exciting week this week after you know, last week was so boring. A lot of these games are terrible. It was nice to come out of that weekend at least with a very good championship game in college football because we had to set through some awful football this weekend. But those games should be promising outside of one, and that one I think is the one I'm looking forward to watching the most, just Houston getting slaughtered. So yeah. that's all you know, we I, have I can't for even show. get excited about that just because I know it's going to be bad. Unless the Texans make a good game of it, I don't really care. But going back to the uh, Green Bay-Dallas game real quick, the only way that the Cowboys can win is if Aaron Rodgers is less than on fire. You know, if, if he comes out and just plays a really good game, it's possible that the uh, Packers go ahead and lose because they have no running game. They're running wide receivers out there and Christian Michael. So it is, it's all on Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers determines if the Packers go to the Super Bowl or not. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> most of the other teams, somebody else is there to help. It's you can tell 100% how compelling you were to Matt there. <laughs> I think that it's going to come down to who's hotter when they play each other, whether it's Matt Ryan or Aaron Rodgers, because they have similar teams. Only only difference is, in my opinion, is Green Bay's defense is better than Atlanta's, but Atlanta's got a better run game. So I think that's going to be the NFC Championship game. Yeah, yeah. and in that game it would be kind of a toss you know, toss it up there because I would expect the Packers to be able to outscore the Falcons, but the Falcons can run the ball all day long too. So you know, we'll see what happens with all that. All right, that's about all we okay, have so. for the show this week. <laughs> Suck a dick, Glenn. <laughs> uh, that's all we have. Be sure to check out um, our website. That's www.twotonepodcast.com. Check us out on iTunes. You can find us on Podbean and the Podbean app. Also, be sure to check out the Tennessee Titans Uncensored Facebook group. A lot of great stuff there. It is really the best Titans fan group on Facebook, bar none easily stands above the rest so check it out everybody have a great weekend hopefully watch this houston team just get the piss beat out of them fuck houston and tighten up tighten up thanks for listening to the two-tone uncensored podcast you can listen to the show at two-tone uncensored.podbean.com 
or by downloading the Podbean app on your mobile device. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Two Tone Uncensored and like us on Facebook.